Hey there, welcome to Fit and Fired Up, the podcast that's all about fueling your passion for a healthy and vibrant life. I'm your host, Katie, and I'm thrilled to be your guide on this incredible journey. Whether you're a seasoned fitness guru or just trying to dip your toes into the world of wellness, this podcast is tailor-made to you. Here at Fit and Fired Up, we believe that knowledge is the key to unlocking your true potential, and that's exactly what we're serving up. Each week, we'll dive into the ever-evolving worlds of nutrition and fitness, from debunking popular myths to exploring the latest cutting-edge research. We've got you covered. It's time to separate fact from fiction so you can make informed decision on your health journey. But you know what? It's not just about the science. We're here to have fun, too. We'll spice things up with inspiring success stories, expert interviews, and plenty of laughter along the way. So grab your favorite protein shake, your comfiest workout gear, and get ready to get fit and fired up like never before. And if you feel like you got something out of this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. Hey, welcome back. This is going to be episode 10, part three of debunking health claims. Now, this is going to be a little bit of a spicy episode today because I'm actually going to be talking about fad diets and debunking these popular weight loss programs and going through why they don't typically stick and work for a lot of people. So for the record, there are small bits and pieces of each of these that work for some people, and it's important to define what that actually means. So for some people, after starting one of these diets, they lost weight and actually kept it off. That's what determines if a plan works or not, if they were able to sustain the progress that they made while they were on it. Likely a small percentage of people, because there are plenty of others who can't follow the strict guidelines, guilt-driven philosophies, and lack of education to keep them on track. So first one I want to go over is Whole30. So here's a quick rundown. You have to follow a strict list of rules for 30 days. No alcohol, dairy, sugar, either real or artificial, grains, legumes, carrageenan, MSG, sulfites, baked goods, junk food, or treats with approved quote-unquote ingredients, and you can't step on the scale, which I'm not against. What are allowed into this program is ghee or clarified butter, fruit juice, which is strange, (laughs) certain legumes like peas, so not all legumes, only certain ones, vinegar, coconut aminos, and salt. So obviously I'm assuming, you know, veggies and maybe some fruits are okay, but even it says real sugar is not, which is a little confusing, I think. Quotes that I got actually from their website says no treats, cheats, or special occasions, which is absurd because what, you're just not going to go to a baby shower because you're doing Whole30 or you're not going to have a bridal shower or a birthday party or whatever. That's absurd. You can never slip up. And another really disturbing part of this website, and I quote, this is not hard. That's with plenty of guilt associated. So the guilt rules and strictness calls for a very unhealthy relationship with food and your confidence in choosing your own foods. Guilt and shame will always occur when you are so restricted and also given that sort of 
oh, well, you messed up. You got to make up for it. You know, you you weren't supposed to do that. And so you're just like constantly in a cycle of like being starving because you're so restricted in calories in general. But then you're also craving foods that probably even aren't that bad for you or like not necessarily bad, but like say more unhealthy and then they guilt you for it because it's not on the approved list. So obviously eating whole foods majority of the time is most effective and healthier, but also having treats and indulging in even alcohol are going to be part of your life at some point, and you need to learn how to actually fit that in appropriately while still working on your goals. So what happens when you reintroduce these quote-unquote do not have foods when the 30 days is up? You likely will overindulge and you gain all the weight back and you're also dealing with a ton of negative thoughts to yourself but also towards food. So it can be very dangerous in the long term and it's only a 30-day plan. So this is obviously very rigid and unrealistic with too many foods that are off limits and are usually pretty fine to actually consume, right? Legumes are healthy for us, like why aren't we able to consume them? Only positives are the resources that they have, or at least that's what I found. They have lots of recipes, guidelines, or even guidebooks even. Um, And they also have their own food line, which I guess maybe aids in a little bit of convenience, even though I'm sure their ingredients is garbage. And they also have reintroduction guidelines. The issue with that, though, is that it's just guidelines. Like, there's no coach. There's no person holding you accountable to reintroducing things. There's no one to help or guide through that process. And reintroduction can be really tricky. And it also can be kind of a mindfuck. (laughs) So the difference between a general restrictive diet and a structured symptom-related restrictive diet, I know that's kind of a mouthful, but a general restrictive diet would be something like Whole30, A structured symptom-related restrictive diet would be something for any sort of overgrowth status, gut hormones, those kinds of things. It's the why behind it is the most important thing. So personally, I actually believe in restricting or limiting trigger or inflammatory foods for people with specific symptoms or reactions to foods to help heal the body. We all know that food is fuel, but we also know that it is very healing. But if our body is in a state of disease, we have to make sure whatever we're putting into the body is actually aiding its in its healing. All right, number two, beach body. The programs that they offer are just two, flexible portions and portion control. This is generalized for everyone. So no one gets a specific plan that takes their life into consideration and they have to buy the Shakeology Shakes. So this is terrible quality. (laughs) They're very expensive and their ingredients list is like really not that great. Third party testing is very important when you're looking at quality supplements. And a lot of the times when you're getting supplements from say Beachbody or even honestly like GNC and Vitamin Shop and those types of places, it's very, very likely that they're not getting third-party tested because those companies actually have to pay a lot more to get third-party tested and a lot of them don't opt for that. And the FDA really doesn't control much of the supplement industry. So it's important to know that like when you are taking in supplements, 
and a company is forcing you to take their supplements, that's a big red flag, okay? And because they're so expensive, you are kind of stuck with a lot of them after you recognize like, wow, this actually is kind of screwing up my digestion or like, I actually don't really like these very much. Another issue I've seen is that anyone can become a coach if you've done the program and it was successful for you. This makes this coach vastly underqualified. I know plenty of people, coaches, that have gone through years and years of education, thousands of dollars in either their college education or mentorships or courses, conferences, certifications, and those coaches are still learning. They're still trying to grasp grasp all of this information in this industry. If someone is coming out of a program like Beachbody and all of a sudden now they're a quote-unquote coach, they're nowhere near qualified to help you. That is such a big red flag. And yes, okay, they have their own certification. They have their own education. And some coaches do go for extended education and certifications, which is great. But if you go through one program, that doesn't make you qualified to coach on other means of nutrition, training, gut, hormones, mindset, all the things that are associated with this particular side of the health and fitness world. So be weary of a program that basically allows anyone to become a coach. All right, in the generalized workouts, they don't have a ton of emphasis on specific strength. And this is because it's mostly endurance, right? It's mostly circuit training. It's mostly higher reps, less weight, fast movements, less rest periods. And so sometimes that can be good, especially if you don't really have the time to get into anything else. But it is very, very important as women, even as men, obviously, but really women to get comfortable with weight training, to get stronger, to get more resilient and comfortable and confident in how they move their bodies with load, with lots of load. So because these are generalized workouts, they aren't specific to the person. And so if you've ever had an injury, you have aches and pains, maybe if you're not even sure if you're doing an exercise correctly, there's nobody there to help readjust things for you. There's no one to give you feedback. There's no one to even adjust a certain exercise to make it fit for you. And yeah, maybe they give you like an alternative if you can't do a certain exercise. But what if you can't do that alternative? You're going to need to find something else, right? So obviously, they're very restrictive in calories, which is a huge issue. I have had so many clients come to me from Beachbody that have tracked their food when they start with me. And so I know exactly like where their starting point is and they track 1,200 to 1,300 calories every time. Like without fail, that's like how much they're eating. So that can be very, very dangerous for the long term. All right, so the next one I wanna go over is kind of a different one and one that's kind of been in circulation for a while now. And I wanna preface this with this is not medical advice. This is obviously something to take with it what you will because I'm going over a medical injection. 
So Saxenda, semaglutide, and Wagovi, these are prescribed medical injections. So semaglutide and Saxenda are prescriptions. Wagovi, I believe you can just get from a trained professional that can even be in a like spa type of boutique. So this is an anti-type 2 diabetic medication. There are major side effects, increased risk of hypoglycemia, gallbladder problems, pancreatitis, kidney failure, diarrhea, vomiting, dehydration, depression, headache, tiredness, fever, thyroid tumors, and cancer. So because I'm obviously talking about three different ones here, they're all sort of similar because they're mostly directed towards diabetic patients. That's why they are in the market. So when these injections became popular for weight loss, the likelihood of diabetics to be able to get these specific injections or their shots has diminished greatly. So there is an issue with demand, right? There, there's too much demand of this particular um, weight loss injection. So you can't take it if you have liver, pancreas, or kidney problems, allergies to medications, or if you're on type 2 medications, have mental health issues, or are breastfeeding, or plan to breastfeed. You qualify if you are above 135 pounds and or obese, according to the BMI, which is over 27. That's craziness. Someone, a woman that is 6'2", is totally healthy to be 150 pounds. Like, that makes absolutely no sense. And honestly, probably a six-foot woman should actually be more than 150 pounds. But that's ridiculous. And not only that, but BMI is so antiquated. It was like from the 70s, maybe even like further than that. BMI, body mass index, doesn't account for lean body mass. So... A bodybuilder who is 230 pounds compared to a person that is obese and 230 pounds will read the same BMI. It makes no sense. Why are we basing anything off of this anymore, to be honest? All right, so it works by increasing insulin resistance from the pancreas and decreases excess excessive glucagon release. So just really quick, insulin resistance is when your cells in your muscles, fat, and liver don't respond to insulin and can't use glucose from your blood for energy. To make up for it, your pancreas makes more insulin. Over time, your blood sugar levels go up. And glucagon is just the hormone that breaks down glycogen to glucose in the liver. So with everything you know about that, very quickly, does this actually seem worth it? Hopefully not. All right, keto diet is our next one. So this is based on getting your body into ketosis using ketones for your body's energy resource instead of carbohydrates. Extreme low carbs, so less than 80 grams per day, high fat, moderate protein, very easy to get out of ketosis with a relatively higher carb meal or sugary foods, like even fruit can get you out of ketosis. You need to test your ketone levels by a urine strip every day to make sure you're in ketosis. You have a decreased energy for workouts because glucose from carbohydrates is usually used for exercise. And a lot of the times what I've heard from clients as well coming from the keto diet is that they've had this like keto flu or keto headaches. And it's because there's this 
like mass exodus of a lot of water from your system because with less carbohydrate intake, there's also less water intake or water absorption. And water is essential for every single cell in your body. So you have this like decreased absorption, you have this like flush of water, but then you also have less glucose for your brain health. And so you start getting headaches, you start feeling sick. And, you know, people in the keto, you know, uh, world, (laughs) I guess, say, oh yeah, like that's normal. You just gotta like get over the hump, right? It'll go away after a week or two weeks or whatever. It's like, why do you even have to deal with that? (laughs) You shouldn't even have to have those thoughts of like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna like get the flu for like a week or two and then, you know, I'll be good and, you know, back to feeling okay. It's like, why, why even bother going through that? So the people that favor to be in the keto diet are actually people that have seizures. That was the whole point on testing the keto diet and seeing if people with seizures actually respond better to using ketones as energy aside from using glucose and it was proven that it actually does benefit this population and for whatever reason it came into the mainstream and now people are using it for weight loss when it was never actually intended to do it so it's very much a good idea to keep carbohydrates in your diet And if you are suffering, say, from diabetes, a lower-carbohydrate diet might be a good idea, but it is very dependent on a bunch of other things. So you have to take these types of weight loss programs with a grain of salt if you just know the surface level of it, but you also have a bunch of other medical diagnoses. It's probably not worth jumping into something that is too generalized if you have other things going on, like gut and hormones and even medical diagnoses. All right, so the last one I wanna go over is Weight Watchers. So this is obviously based on a point system, as you probably know, so for the food items, they have their own packaged foods, which again, could be good for convenience, but the quality of their foods isn't great. Meetings for accountability and weigh-ins. Something though that I heard from these Weight Watcher meetings is that they try to perpetuate this like, you know, we're not so focused on the scale and we want you to focus on all these other things that are improving. But then all of a sudden during these weigh-ins, they're celebrating whoever has lost the most weight. So they're contradicting themselves (laughs) like every single meeting. So people that haven't lost a ton of weight aren't getting celebrated and it can really mess with your head because it associates success with more weight loss. And that is not always the case for most women, and it's not healthy for us. There is a little bit more flexibility with what you can eat, but it is still restrictive because you only get so many points for the day, and there's no evidence that supports point values for foods and what should be considered more or less points. They just determine it on their own. Foods that show that should be low points based on nutrient value can be higher point values. So something that I saw a while ago, and I don't know if this is the case at this point, but avocado and chia seeds were like an absurdly high amount of points. And those two foods are really considered like superfoods. Like they have so many good nutrients. They have really, really good responsibilities for our body. And they really help us quite a bit with a lot of different things. 
but if they're higher in point value, people in Weight Watchers will probably stay away from them because they want to make sure they have some food left over. And, you know, if you're having a tablespoon of chia seeds and it's five points, that might not be worth it. But when you're not in Weight Watchers, that is definitely worth it. It also just sends mixed messages like about Whole Foods and how you should consider their effect on your progress. So what does work? What's the alternative? A plan that's actually flexible and structured to fit your life. That's it. A workout plan that tailors to your injuries, schedule, goals, and how long you've been exercising. Nutrition guidelines and flexibility that allows indulgence and memories to be experienced during these events or vacations without guilt. Individualized communication, accountability, lifestyle habits, and resources to make your weight loss and health journey sustainable. And one of the best things to do is work with someone through all seasons of a health journey. Weight loss, hormone and gut optimization, reverse dieting, maintenance while your life is busy, you're traveling through the holidays, and anytime your life unexpectedly changes so you know how to navigate your health through those times and keep it as a priority when you feel like it can't be because it always is a priority. You should always feel healthy and feel good. There's no one size fits all to your health weight loss goals, which is what the diets above among so many other different types of diets. I didn't really have time to go over all of them. Of course, they don't tailor anything to you. Even if they say they do, it's not the advice that's safe and healthy. I actually had a client, now that I think of it, start with me, I think probably about two and a half years ago at this point, maybe three, and she came from Beachbody. She was suffering from gut issues, and she was going through the process of starting the gut protocol that Beachbody offers. And right off the bat, for me, that's a huge red flag because I doubt there's somebody on staff that really understands labs and symptoms and what that associates with different types of overgrowth, gut status, dysbiosis, all those kinds of things. And the only two things that she was given, I think, were probiotics and greens. That's it. No other assistance, no other personal care, no other advice just that. On top of that, though, actually, now that I remember, she couldn't do gluten, dairy, alcohol, and potentially like one or two other things that were on her like do not consume list, which I guess is like semi-okay, but there's no context around that. There's no why behind that, right? So that is the issue. That's the issue when you go into a program that is really not designed to structure and educate on very, very specific ways to get through a gut and hormone hump within your journey. So starting a weight loss journey is really more than just weight loss, right? Especially if you're really struggling to lose weight, you have tons of symptoms and you just feel terrible all the time. You need to find the help that goes into the why behind your weight loss struggles. You need to find someone that asks deep questions about your digestion, mindset, medical history, diet history, your schedule in life, and 
asks you what's realistic for you. And all of these factors are going to be completely different from the next person, which means the plan you receive should match your life, not somebody else's. So the next time you're thinking about going onto an influencer plan, a mainstream weight loss program, or doing a quick fix, think of the consequences of these plans. The consequences of changing your mindset and relationship with food, yourself, and events in your life, if you start to dread going out with friends and family, that's a red flag. That is something that you need to be able to do without any sort of guilt or shame or worry that you're going to go off plan and lose all of your progress, because that's just not the case. The consequences of your health from eating so little calories, injecting something into your body you don't medically need and restricting foods that are perfectly fine to eat. This is what perpetuates again this ongoing depleted feeling or when I see labs that uh, I have clients bring in and they come from a very restrictive diet, I see so many deficiencies in their vitamins and minerals and when we start to replenish those and actually eat more food, they feel like a totally different person. So the fact that so many of these programs are restricting really actually good quality foods for us, they are depleting us of necessary nutrients and it shows up in symptoms. And they also promise big results quickly and it's just not how this works. It's the long game. You have to just fall in love with the process of becoming healthier, stronger, and rather than focusing on the scale, you're focusing on how your clothes are fitting, what your relationship with yourself is, the relationship with your partner, how you're showing up for your kids, your work, how much more confident you feel, and how much more resilient and capable you are on a day-to-day basis on just general things you have to do every single day, like picking up your kids, up and down stairs, getting up from the floor, picking up groceries and walking two flights up. Those things are all very functional and very great ways to notice how you're progressing through that journey. So hopefully that was a helpful episode. Hopefully that kind of laid out a little bit more truth on what some of these diets actually entail. I know I didn't go into a crazy amount of detail, but I did want to obviously not go too far over in time. So if you do have any other ones, as always, please feel free to reach out on Instagram or Facebook, and I will talk to you next week. So that concludes this episode. Thank you so much for listening, supporting this podcast and me. If you found this to be helpful and you know someone else who would benefit from this information, please share it with them or on your social media. And if you have a second, please hit follow and give this a five-star rating so I can reach more people who need to hear this. Until next time, stay fired up about your health and fitness, and I'll see you in one week for our next episode.